0: was in the hospital, and one of his uh, friends came to visit him, and uh, he said, um, how are you feeling, preacher? And the old black preacher said, Lord, I ain't got long before I'm going to be in glory. And he said, uh, well, what are you looking forward to? You looking forward to seeing all your loved ones and kin? No, that ain't what I'm looking forward to most. And he said, well, you looking forward to, uh, to the feast? With the Lord and the in the and the streets of uh, gold and the, no, 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 I don't care about that stuff. He says, well, what are you looking forward to the most, preacher? He said, I'll tell you what, son, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm going to get up into heaven and Satan's going to be defeated. And Jesus is going to be standing right before him. And Jesus is going to pick up the church of the scruff of its neck and he's going to put it in the face of Satan and he's going to say you are beaten you are defeated and I did it with this little scrony mess we're a mess we're a mess we get it wrong more often than we get it right we divide more often than we unite a mess. Look at the history of the church. The church is filled with some of the most amazing, victorious, faithful, loving, gracious people history has ever known. And there's the other side. Wars, inquisitions. Stakes set to fire with people tied to them. All in the name of God. So how do we get it right? Each generation faces its own unique temptation. Each generation faces its own unique guided away from the ways of God. Each generation of the church faces its own topic, its own characteristic, that it embraces thinking that it is moving forward for the cause of Christ, but in fact it has been allured by the enemy into deception. Mine had it, yours has it. My grandparents had it. Martin Luther's had it. Augustine's had it. We all had it. And I believe that for the generation that is at hand, that is moving in and and in force for the church today, that your Achilles heel is addressed in our passage of Scripture today. You know, you always... Snowing out today, and you always hear these stories of parents that say, uh, "When I was a kid, I used to have to walk ten miles in the snow to meet the school bus, uphill both ways." Uphill both ways. And uh, I saw something the other day I thought was funny. A dad had his arm around his kid, and the dad said, "When I was a kid, we could watch everything on anything all the time that had ever been produced." That's your generation. That's what you can tell your kids. When I was a kid, or your kids at least can tell their kids, I could watch anything, all the time, anywhere, on anything that had ever been produced. I'm going to teach you a hermeneutical principle or a a biblical interpretive principle that uh, you need to write down or you need to remember forever. It's, it's, it's a truth that whenever you're reading scripture, you need to have in mind. And that truth is there is a direct correlation between how many times something is addressed or occurs in scripture and the level of sin it is in our lives. There's a direct correlation between how many times something is addressed or occurs in scripture and the level of sin or the grip of sin it has in our lives as human beings and as I look at scripture there is nothing almost other than sin itself that is addressed or occurs as a lesson in a narrative more often than the topic of patience There's a direct correlation by how much it occurs and how important it is to God as well. How important it is for his kingdom moving forward as well. There's four things we're going to get out of today looking at this passage of scripture. Patience, faithfulness, wisdom, and discernment. And each is imperative to serving God faithfully. Each is imperative for the church to move forward in power and in strength. So we need to define these um, as we we do this. We need to define these. Patience. I define patience as waiting without interfering. Patience is waiting without interfering. Waiting without helping God along. Um, A perfect example of patience and faithfulness is the missionary William Carey. William Carey was called to India as its first Christian missionary ever. He served for over 30 years there. His wife went insane and eventually died. He lost a number of children and buried them during that time. And are you ready for the kicker? He never saw a conversion in those 30 years, but he stayed. Because God had called him there. And because of William Carey, today any mission in the in, in this nation of India is attributable to William Carey's work and plowing and patience and faithfulness. So patience is waiting without interfering. Faithfulness, faithfulness is standing firm through time and adversity. Doing what you're supposed to do. Patience is waiting without interfering. Faithfulness is standing firm through adversity. Standing firm even though it doesn't look the way you thought it should look. Standing firm even though God's not doing what you had preordained and decided in your mind he should do. Standing firm because God has called you to be God's man or woman at this time, in this place, for this reason, no matter what your physical eyes see. Faithfulness and patience. Take a person who can see the kingdom of God through God's eyes. Despite whatever Satan may throw at us or try to get us off track through our physical eyes and what's occurring. You think when William Carey's wife went mad in in, in India, do you think he wanted to go home? Do you think when his wife passed away and his children passed away, do you think he would have rather buried them in his home of England instead of in the sands, in the dirt of India? But he stood firm. Wisdom. Wisdom is the f- uh, third lesson. Wisdom is learning from mistakes and seeking guidance. In seeking guidance. Learning from mistakes and seeking guidance. A fool a fool is a person who lives their life repeating the same mistakes over and over but does not learn from their mistakes. A wise person is a person who learns from their mistakes and seeks guidance from others. Discernment. Discernment is knowing truth and knowing deception when you see it. Knowing truth and knowing deception when you see it. Knowing good and knowing evil when you see it. now, Out of these four characteristics, what our passage today is going to show us and reveal to us subtly is that discernment and wisdom are the fruit of guess what? Guess what? Discernment and wisdom are the fruit of patience and faithfulness. They directly flow from patience and faithfulness. Patience and faithfulness lived out in obedience to God will produce in your life wisdom and discernment. So, let's look at um, my passage today. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through verse 40. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through verse 40. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day and give thanks to God and to speak of him him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you take these words, that you take this this historical narrative of this amazing event, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you illuminate our minds for understanding, and that it not just be an understanding, Father, that gives us an intellectual knowledge of something that occurred 2,000 years ago. But it be an understanding that transforms our hearts, our souls, our spirits, our minds, more into your likeness. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Simeon, the word Simeon means the one who listens to God. Simeon obeys God's word In waiting for Jesus, we see that in these passages that we we said. Jesus tells him, uh, God tells him, the Holy Spirit tells him that Jesus is coming. Tells him he will not die until he sees it. And he waits. Other places and other portions of Scripture tell us he waits in the temple, just like Anna. He waits. He lived in Jerusalem. And his name was Simeon, which means the one who listens to God. So the first thing we learn about wisdom is wisdom is a person who listens to God. Is a person who's tuned in with what God is saying. Who's tuned in with what God is doing. The second thing we learn about wisdom is patience. We know that Simeon was of age. And for years, he had been coming to the temple every day, waiting on the Messiah, waiting on Jesus. And every day, year after year after year, Simeon doesn't see him. He doesn't appear. Is this child the one? No, that's not the one. Is this child? No, that's not the one. (laughs) Year after year. What do we learn from this? Well, first of all, we learn that there is wisdom that comes from waiting, from patience, from stability. You think Simeon may have had other opportunities, other job proposals, other better homes? Perhaps his wife passed away and in the village off off west there was a, a widow that would have made a really good wife. But Simeon stays. He's faithful year after year after year. The next thing we see are three spiritual characteristics. The physical characteristics are he stayed. He lived in Jerusalem. And his name was Simeon, which means wisdom. The spiritual characteristics we see is that we're told that he was just and devout. That he was just and devout. So, how do you know a person is wise? How do you know whether to seek the counsel of a person for being wise? Well, one of the characteristics that you will see in their lives that will be a display of their wisdom is that they are just and they are devout. The next thing we see is that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He shows patience and faithfulness. And then the next we see is the Holy Spirit was upon him. He had discernment. So a person of God, a person of wisdom, is a person who shows and displays justice and devotion But also a person who shows faithfulness and patience. But also it is a person who has discernment. There's no true discernment without the Holy Spirit. There's no true discernment without the Holy Spirit. But he had discernment. When he saw Jesus, guess what? after all those years of waiting, all those children coming in the doors, when he saw Jesus, guess what? He knew it was him. How did he know? How did he know? What do you think? Yeah, he had the Holy Spirit. He had discernment. And then third, when the wait is over, you see blessing. He blesses God, and he blesses Joseph and Mary. So the thing to remember is at the end of the time, blessing will come. Blessing will come. The problem with our generation is we don't know what waiting means. We have no frame of reference for patience. Um, We are used to something that's always at the click of our finger something is always available I told my wife um, when I was preparing for this sermon I said all those books I have in there it's all on the internet now you might need to check the internet with your books if you want to make sure (laughs) that it's legit but it's available just like that all that work that pastors in the past had to just trudge through a lot of it, illustrations illustrations are just abundant on the internet, bam you got it move on we don't know what patience is. But remember that hermeneutical principle I told you at the beginning? There's a direct correlation between how much something is addressed or occurs in Scripture and how much of a sin problem it is or a hindrance to God's redemptive plan it is, according to God. Patience is referred to over and over and over and over again in Scripture. Forty years wandering in the desert. Abraham, all the years of his life, waiting to see this nation occur. Abraham, waiting for this child to be born. David, waiting to become king. He had been told that he was going to become it years later, being chased into caves to be slaughtered. But he waited, he believed, he stood. The prophets, over and over proclaiming, but having to wait to see the fulfillment. And sometimes not even seeing the fulfillment like William Carey within their own lives. Their purpose wasn't the end result for their life. Their purpose was the end result for God's redemptive plan. We have all kinds of ideas about why God has brought church project here Some are real, and some are within God's plan, and some are our own. Discernment is knowing the difference. And when you know the difference, and you know and you have wisdom, you're able to stay more firm and more solid. Let's look at Anna. Anna obeyed God's word in worshiping Jesus. What were the characteristics we saw with her? First of all, her name was Anna. Anna means God has favored me. Second, she was a prophetess. What does her being a prophetess tell us about the level of discernment she might have? When you think of a prophet or a prophetess and knowing what's going on with God, what do you think of? They're pretty tied in, aren't they? They're pretty tied in. So she she had discernment. Next, we know she was of the tri- tribe of Asher. Now, why is that important? Well, Asher was the tribe that had been assigned by God with knowing the textual truths of Scripture. Asher was the tribe that was to keep the Holy Word and interpret it. Asher was the preachers. That's what they were. They were the ones who had been assigned by God to look at the Scriptures and tell others what the scriptures said. Textual scholars. The next thing we know is that she was very old. So she's a prophetess. She has discernment. She's of the tribe of Asher. Textual scholars can interpret the Bible. And then she's very old and wise. One of the problems with impatience today is the lack of desire. To want to truly study God's word. We want a quick fix. We want the preacher to tell us what it means. We want the radio evangelist to tell us what it means. We want the quick book that we can get at the Christian bookstore to tell us what it means. But we fight against the discipline of being patient and faithful and consistent in God's word. In pursuing its truth ourselves. And wisdom comes from that. I'm going to tell you something. You know, I've heard it over and over and over in all my years of ministry. I don't like to read. Okay, I'm dyslexic. I didn't like to read either. I like to read now. But it wasn't easy in seminary to learn Hebrew and Greek with dyslexia. But. I would have preferred another way, but let me tell you how God has chosen to reveal Himself to us through the written Word. That's how He chose to do it. He's God. He could have done it any other way. He could have done it in a movie. He could have done it in an audio. He could have done it writing in the clouds. He could have done it in a myriad of ways. But God chose to reveal Himself within the Hebrew and the Greek language in His Word to be translated into other languages and taught and read and studied. You may not like it, I don't like it. I really don't. I'm lazy by nature. Admit it. But guess what? God chose to reveal Himself through the written Word. That's one of the reasons throughout history the church has been the major proponent of education. In the United States, every single major university was established by Christians and the church. The public education system originally came out of the church because they wanted people to be able to do what? To do what? Read God's word. Yeah, to read God's word. That's why they put so much emphasis upon education. They wanted people to be able to read and properly interpret God's word. That, and a recognition of that, and an acceptance of that, is part of wisdom. Discerning and knowing and learning that everything doesn't go our way. Everything's not quick. Everything's not easy. God builds discernment and wisdom through adversity. He builds discernment and wisdom through patience, through faithfulness. And then what happened at the end with Anna? She spoke of Jesus. She gave thanks to God. And she blessed all. She spoke to all. So this is the model that we see, guys. And it's the model we see throughout Scripture, not just with Simeon and and, 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 um, Anna. Here's the model. God places his hand upon you. He calls you for his purposes. He calls you out and draws you to himself. He makes you his own. You become a child of God. And when you become a child of God, you have a specific purpose in life in the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan. Every one of you. Some of you may know it precisely what it is. Some of you may know, not know your entire life, but you remain faithful to God. And God works his plan out through you no matter whether you know it or not. <laughs> so this is the model. He calls you, but almost without question. Then he tells you to wait. You know what happened to Paul between the road of Damascus and when, he, and when he showed up in Jerusalem preaching and proclaiming God's truth? Eight years. We don't know what happened in those eight years, but eight years. God himself appears to him on the road, blinds him, appears to him, tells him who he is, saves his life, has this dramatic conversion, and then go wait eight years. You know what happened to Abraham. God showed him the stars in the sky and he said "You're, you're going to be the father of a nation multitudes decades Moses 40 years the nation of Israel who had been given this promise between the promise with Abraham and the fulfillment through Jesus thousands of years God is never in a hurry. But he's always on time. And I don't know about you guys, but as I was preparing for this sermon, I was thinking about my life and my foolishness. Every major mistake I've made, every major mistake I have made in my life has come from impatience. And it's affected my children, it's affected the congregations that I've pastored, it's affected my friendships. Every major mistake I've made has come from impatience. We live in a society that tells us that bigger and flashier and faster is better. We live in a transitory society that's just constantly moving. If you're sitting still, you're not being productive. But you know what? I see a God that often tells us to be still. Often tells us to sit and wait. Often tells us that it's not going to happen overnight. God has called this church to this place for this time. But it's not going to happen overnight. I hate to tell you this. It may not even happen in your lifetime. Or it may. But that's up to God. Do we have the wisdom and the discernment to know the difference? And the patience and faithfulness to give God his time to work out his will.